Need a powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens? Allicin Med is the powerful universal pathogen killer's latest advance of German-sourced Allicin, enzymatically stabilized to clear the body of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, and parasites. It penetrates body biofilms and is non-toxic to tissues. Pathogen resistance cannot develop for long-term body-optimized wellness. Clear stealth pathogens that promote autoimmune disease, cancer and vascular inflammation and plaque and promote healing of tissues. Now pathogen-free. With 200 milligrams more power than prior Alamed, you can't get a more powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens. Give your body what it needs. Allison Med. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutridyne at 888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. That's 1-888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. And listen to the Nutramedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. Nutramedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. And welcome back to the Nutramedical Report. We have Vince Dinelli here as a regular fixture now on the Nutramedical Report. I'm actually on his show tomorrow morning. 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And Vince, we talked about, uh, shared our uh, our victories and our sorrows and our failures. One of the things we talked about that I want to kind of mention, <clears throat> uh, you and I are similar in some ways. We don't suffer uh, uh, what we call stupidity. And stupidity isn't whether or not you have a high IQ or a low IQ. It's whether you see things that you need to do something about and you don't do anything, even little tiny steps. And I thought of solutions, and I thought, and I think... We had last year, we had a gentleman, Mitch, Dave Mitchell, who actually was a broker that managed to get our house here in Southern California. A brilliant guy who's listened to the show for at least 10 years. Uh, he's a broker here in California, <clears throat> very high IQ, help people get set up uh, homes or ranches or places of refuge out in the middle of nowhere. I honestly think that the only solution is a, I call a village, if you want to call it a village of survival. And uh, even if you're a billionaire or a millionaire and you have a, a place and you get out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you are going to die. It's just a matter of how quickly you'll die. If you have a village, you're more likely that there's a continuation of the village. Even if you personally die, people in the village are going to survive. If you have duplication of skill sets, and I call it the seven pillars of survival. The first one, believe it or not, is power. You have to be able to generate power. Second is you have to get water, even if it's from the air. Third, you have to be able to have food, whether it's food you grow, food you capture, food you grow in your farm like chickens. Third, <clears throat> you need to have means of, of self-protection, including perimeter control. You need to have people that can maintain your facility, including welders and military personnel. You need to have teachers, doctors, whatever, and you need to replicate those skill sets. So that's five is number communication. You have to have people that can do shortwave or ham radio or have, you know, uh, we call radio uh, searching to see what the police and the other people are saying in the middle of a disaster. And then the fifth, sixth thing I think that's really important is we need to integrate ourselves now, not wait till the future, with the local sheriff so that we become part of the solution, not the problem. We can't expect firefighters and police and EMT to show up at your home in the middle of a major catastrophe like an earthquake, a volcano, or superstorms, 
or in the middle of a nuclear blackout from an EMP from, say, North Korea, you can't expect them. And the seventh level is we have to have like mind. I honestly think before we even, if I was going to put out uh, this now, after all the years of experience, I'd say, number one, I'd put a question there, and I'm doing it right now. If you want to have, have a proper establishment, whether it's in California or the U.S. or Canada or somewhere, the first thing you have to ask is, do I want to prepare to survive? And if you do, drop me an email. You don't have to give any money. don't have to do any commitment. I'm going to keep you in a special file where we'll send you notices of things you can do. In fact, one of the ones you mentioned when you did these uh, sessions years ago and you had a poor response was, go to your home on the weekend and just go to your power panel and shut off certain things in the power for so many hours, say a day, and see what you do. And just see how life is when you've turned off the power. Number two would be, do you have water? Okay. Now, people, if I was going to write a, a really bad B movie that would be terrorized people worse than the day of The Walking Dead, would be the, called the fourth day. And the fourth day is when the sewage backs up because the power corporations in every country, including New Zealand and Australia, do not have backup power for sewage treatment. They do for water, but not sewage. So unless you're on a septic field and you have your own well, you're not going to have water after the fourth day. You're going to have very little. You're not going to have showers. You're going to smell rotting sewage coming up your tub and in your sink. So people need to start getting real. And the first question I'd ask is, do you want to prep? Do you want to live? And in fact, most people don't realize that the power goes out, most people will be dead in two months, and the majority, 90% of the population, will be gone in six months. You'll see things that even on the worst B-movie you've ever seen or thought of will happen. You'll see people murdering their neighbors to get their stuff. You'll see people cannibalizing their pets and then their neighbors. You'll see mothers slitting the throats of their children so they don't live another day. You'll see horrifying stuff or literally not just civil wars but entire communities go up in flames you'll see power lines and gas lines not properly tended for explode you'll see water mains not properly cared for you'll see areas of the country dry out and other areas will be quite fine because they're actually far enough away from the blast zone you see nuclear reactors that are not properly serviced and have backup power will all go critical people all know that if you know that just within four hours to 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 uh, uh, the pretty well every nuclear reactor we call post-geriatric in the country will go hypercritical. People don't know this, do they? They think we're making this damn stuff up. And I'm telling you, I hear a lot of people out there that consider themselves in the radio uh, and television and so on experts in this. I am a freaking expert. And I challenge people to say, do you really want to prep? I'm not asking for your money. I just want an email. Number two, we're going to send you a list of things to do. And if you don't do them step by step by step, you don't really want to prep. You want to sit in your home until the fourth or fifth day when your neighbor comes because they think you still have lights on because you've got a little backup power or solar panels. And they're going to come to your home to try to kill you and your pets or to take your stuff because you're not going to survive not two months, but probably not even two weeks. And if you want to see things that are so ugly, like cannibalism, it's going to happen if you're in a big city and you haven't escaped long before the bad stuff happens. So if you think that these, we call these death traps, of large U.S. and other cities around the world, or the lack of preparation is uh, is optional. It's not optional. Now you have two options: hunker down in your place, and get in a, <laughs> and and secure yourself, which is unless you're living in a rural area like I'm living outside the city, and that's okay for probably a few weeks. But if it gets really really bad, you need to get to a place far enough away from the blast zone, and from a large city, you can defend yourself with lots of people that have military experience and will use high-powered weapons, guns and non-lethal weapons like drones with lasers on them and so on to protect yourself. So the first question I ask, uh, Vince, is 
You and I are very frustrated, aren't we? Well, you know, as, as I was listening to you say this, I was thinking about uh, some events that we had at our meetups. And we had literally, for five years, we would meet with a large group of individuals, uh, survivalist preppers, if you want to call them that, in the Springfield area. But the draw was from a couple states away, Arkansas, Oklahoma, right. and Missouri. And people would come from all those states. And sometimes when we had an expo, it would be really huge. Maybe almost 30 states would show up at a meetup. Right. And during, during several of these meetups over the years, we had uh, one of our instructors, who was an electrical engineer by trade, um, he thought, you know, since there's so many of us with so many skills, wouldn't it be great if we kind of knew who each other was? I mean, we would just sit next to each other, you know, week after week, but we really didn't know each other. And wouldn't it be nice if we could have a phone number? Right. And maybe a skill set, you know, a list of skills for that phone number. Maybe a person's name. Maybe an email address. Right. So, over the years, uh, our engineering instructor, who gave presentations at the expos, who has been on the radio with me, and who um, has given seminars at the meetups, so he would ask for, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's figure out who we are and so we can help each other when things go right. bad. Right. No one, no one wanted to sign up. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Why don't we ask no, because reverse questions? Why don't we ask reverse questions? How many of you wants to die today or let's get on a toy tombstone and carve your death sentence, say, 10 days from now? Do they not understand that if they don't do something, when really bad things happen, you you will have to see your wife and your children either be shot or cannibalized by ravenous people who are starving to death? Do they not understand that? Well, all right, let's... You know, there's an old joke, uh, and it, it relates to uh, restaurants. Right. And um, people would call up the Chinese restaurant and say, Have you seen my cat? <laughs> 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 well, let's apply. Oh, we have, apply. Uh, we have, we have uh, meow noodle soup. <laughs> let's apply. Let's apply that. Let's apply that joke uh, to what's happening in Venezuela right now. Right. Uh, pets. Pets are endangered. Endangered species. Uh, dogs, cats, and and even the government of Venezuela is saying, "Look, rabbits aren't pets. Think of them as protein." Think of rabbits as protein. So they're saying, uh, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, start eating your pets. They're saying mm -hmm. right now. And mm -hmm. so what I'm saying is that's the exclamation point for what you just said. Yeah, but it's going to be a lot worse than pets. As they say in China, when there's starvation, you run out of the iron lice bowl. Long pig is the last resort. Oh, man. Yeah, you know what that is, right? back with Vince. Um, <clears throat> as a trauma doctor, as an emergency room doctor, I've seen things human beings do to other human beings that the cortical animals and ravenous animals that have got you know, some kind of brain cortical eating disease wouldn't do. And I can tell you, human beings are capable of some pretty damn amazingly bad stuff. But in the time of a catastrophe, and you see, the thing is, if you had a power outage, or a natural disaster, let's say a superquake in major cities like Los Angeles or some other major city, let's say Tokyo, Japan, 
the, the the Stone Age would be like the Sandals Resort to care compared to how bad it'll be for those citizens living there. Being a guy covered with animal skins in a cave 20,000 years ago will be like going to a party compared to how bad it'll be. Uh, people don't know that, do they? You know, we uh, we have an instructor by the name of Captain Bill Sermo. And Bill Sermo came to uh, one of our expos. He's been on the air with us. And he was talking about what the military knows what's going to happen. And he said that when it happens, people in the cities, dense population areas, head outward. You know, they're looking for things, things right. that they need to survive. Right. So they wander, you know, they take a, a path that's already there, a road, and there may be cars stopped in the middle that, you know, with an EMP. Let's say some cars don't survive or vehicles fail or... or they just run out of gas. Fuel, whatever yeah. it is. Whatever it is. Okay, so they go around and they walk outward, away from where they started. Right. And when they come to the next road, they'll, they'll take anything that they can find that they can use along the way. Now, they're probably not the first ones to, to walk this path. There are others who have been there before. So there's a trail of destruction. Uh, people taking whatever they need, throwing out what they don't want, and then moving farther outward. Right. In this path, how wide is it? Well, it's 10 miles wide on each side. And it keeps going outward and outward until people die. 10 miles wide on either side. That's a 20-mile swath of destruction. You mean a wide beach road, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And then what happens is they come to an intersection. And some of them turn left and some of them turn right. And then it's 10 miles to the left, 10 miles to the right on those roads and some of them keep going straight so what happens is they're they're scavenging they're looking for whatever water food supplies shelter food whatever they need that's what they're looking for and they're going to take it they're going to take whatever they want whatever they need and keep going it's going to be an absolute mess and so the thought is that your best bet is probably to keep your head down and stay where you are unless you get out in front of it. Get out in front of it is the first choice. If you're going to head out, you got to be one of the first to get out. And you have to have enough fuel. So You've got to know 72 hours before the disaster strikes. Right. right. Now, how are you going to know about that if it's an EMP attack or another kind of attack? How are you going to know that 72 hours before Th it strikes? That's, that's really tough. And so that's why I live where I live. I'm, I'm already there. I'm already at at the place I want to be. Well, let, let me give you two other alternative windows, okay? This is something that I've worked out logically, and I want to see if, if you've got similar logic. You have you have to have a crystal ball, which nobody has. So you got to know 72 hours beforehand that it's going to happen. So only about one hundredth of one percent knows it's going to actually be already in their place of refuge before disaster strikes. It's like things heat up with China, and we already know that, say, China lets North Korea shoot a nuke uh, and explode in the air over Guam and we counterattack and hit their missile silos. If you're a smart prepper, you already have your place or all the people, say, with 100 village families move out to the place of refuge 72 hours before God knows what's happening. Strikes. Before the lights go out, before the gas stations shut down, before everything. So that's a very tiny portion. There's two other time windows. There's a time window at about two weeks. If you can hunker down and keep yourself in your home for two weeks and protect yourself and shoot neighbors, friends, and wanderers trying to get your stuff in two weeks, you have a time window for about another 
so many days. Now, the military aren't going to operate. I know this are talking, working with military and working with FEMA, etc. They don't have any intention whatsoever to come out of their lairs and their military bases until roughly two months and six months. Some of them are going to come out in two months, and most of them are going to come out in six months. <clears throat> so you have a window at two weeks, two months, and before six months, because when six months comes, if there's any military surviving with their own supplies and military weapons and so on, you do not want to be on the road. You want to be in a place of refuge where you can protect yourself from a rogue military or international forces like the United Nations. Most people have no idea. If you look at satellite photos, before the Katrina uh, superstorm struck New Orleans, they actually moved their vehicles, the United Nations vehicles, 100 miles inland because they thought that some of the drilling down that was happening at the Magondo drill site, this is some years ago, six, seven years ago, was going to precipitate a methane hydrate super explosion. And what it would do is create a bubble, and then it would create a tsunami that could go up to 100 miles inland. So the United Nations actually asked if they could actually move their vehicles 100 miles inland. So if you look at the satellite photos, you'll see they actually moved them in. Now, People don't know that they have literally thousands and thousands and thousands of United Nations vehicles, and they've had foreign troops training on American soil for five decades. Training to actually take over a country, including communist Chinese, Russians, Chinese, Norwegians, Germans, all kinds of people from all over the world are actually planning with live weapons to actually be in our soil controlling us. That's a fact, isn't it? Yeah. And And they'll carry the United Nations flag, by the way. This is all pre-planned. That's why the United Nations took over all the underground aquifer resources of the world, including in America, all the under-oceanic resources, including methane, hydrates, and oil. It's all deeded to them. One of the last countries to not deed the land over and their mineral resources was was, uh, Yugoslavia, which we tore apart their country and put their uh, prime minister, the president, in prison. He was now, I think, in the prisons in in, uh, Netherlands, remember the International Court of Justice. Uh, people don't understand that countries, for example, like North Korea, have an incredible amount of strategic minerals, including the largest amount of lithium on the planet outside Afghanistan. People don't know that the strategic minerals in North Korea is ridiculously high. And part of the reason why we want that unification to occur, and the Chinese are freaked out, is <clears throat> they want to maintain a buffer with South Korea, but we don't. people don't get it, that we are seconds, not minutes, to midnight. Anything wrong could cause this to go way out of, out of control. And we only have about a two-minute window of warning before they start to do launch-on-command sequence and start submarine launch to land-based nuclear missiles. It's chemical, biological, and scalar-based weather weapons where we've actually weaponized the atmosphere to create superquakes, tsunamis. The United States doesn't realize this, but the Russians for almost four-plus decades have had tsunami weapons off the coast of both the east and west coast of the United States. People don't know that, do they? They can actually trigger a tsunami remotely by satellite on either coast without hitting Cumbre Viejo, which is in the Azores. And they already are watching it like a hawk since the mid-80s. But if Cumbre Viejo goes, both the earthquake uh, zone center in Switzerland and the one in Northern California that was set up about four years ago have predicted the tsunami will strike the United States with a wall of water at Mach 1, 700 miles an hour, traveling half a mile high, going up to 100 to 200 miles inland, depending on the uh, altitude. So people aren't prepared for this. They're not prepared for power outages. In fact, I have three sources, the United States, Australia, and Canada, that if the power goes out only, there's no tsunami, no plagues, no war, no nukes, nothing else, but just the power going out, 90% of the population in the Western world will be dead in six months, and most of it will die in the first two months. They're not ready for this, are they? I've got a comment when we come back. Uh, I bet you do. Interesting comment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you do, because... 
is to say both of us are at the tip of the spear to get people to wake up. And again, all I want now is email me, Dr. Bill Deagle, and I'll make sure I pass it on to Vince. We want to start a little uh, email thing where we'll send you a task to do once a week. That's it. Become a prepper. Fact.com. Welcome back. So, you had a, a couple of questions, uh, yeah. Vince. And, uh, you had a couple scenarios that you, you know people arrive at your door and they got white gear on, they got nuclear symbols, and they're going to say evacuate, evacuate. There's radiation release. Well, first off, I'm a hazmat expert. I can tell you the first thing you want to do is you want to seal off your home if there's a radiation release, and if you have a proper uh, ham radio, or whatever, you just seal it off, and you have air filtration systems, and you stay hunkered down. You don't get out and go out in the road or whatever. Otherwise, you're going to get contaminated. So if people arrive at your door and try to shuttle you off to some kind of civil detention camp, and I mentioned this when I talked to uh, the FEMA director in March of 2001 at the Adams Mark Hotel, and he talked about specifically what their plans were to do if there's a radiological release at the Federal Center in downtown Denver or if there's a biological or chemical release. And the, the actual FEMA manual, if you actually read it, believe it or not, people don't know this is to shoot in the center of body mass and put you in a hazmat body bag, and that's it. It's not to decontaminate you with a radiological weapon or or protect you or give you an antipathogenic so you survive any super pathogen, like the ones that I carry, like NutriDefense, which will block all viruses, Nutridine, Alcimed, Silver. No, 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 no. It's to shoot to kill and stick you in a body bag. And if they think you're trying to can escape the area of containment, which they set up, let's say, a three-mile perimeter around the zone of radiation when they say at Federal Center, it's to shoot on site at the center of body of mass. And I confronted the FEMA director, and he tried to take off of the stadium out of the conference room with hundreds of military personnel and other people there, and I chased him right out the door yelling at him. And I'm, I'm loud enough, I don't need a PA system. If you're within range of me, you'll actually lose some permanent hearing. That's what Dr. Diggle's like. I'm... Now, a little aggressive, I make aggressive people look like like puppies. So the guy beside me with all kinds of braids on his chest was freaked out. He said, Dan, you're not going to get out of here alive. I said, watch me. So I chased the FEMA director out of the stadium trying to, to try to sidestep the fact that I quoted the actual manual and the classified statements of what they plan on doing if there is a radiological release, because we did war games with Operation Top Off, Dark Winter, radiological and biological chemical release with the federal government. And that same day, I met with the FBI and CDC director for the nation and the director of, of infectious disease for the University of Colorado, because I was appointment under Reserve Admiral Hughes. And they did all kinds of twisting and, and whatever in their questions, but they actually were going to do war games in the fall, which is New York City, with radiological nukes going off, which is the World Trade Center, with a Marvin Bush was the so-called security director for the building, the brother of George Bush, and his last day of work was 9-11. And they actually put Mossad agents to put nukes inside the building. I know because I have their nuclear material from the U.S. Geological Survey. So people need to know there's elements of the government that don't care if much of the U.S. population dies. They don't care if our military bases are hit. They don't care if people lose their power. In fact, they're making the power grid smart. It's not a smart grid. It's a stupid grid. And if you're tied into the stupid grid and the power goes out, you don't have gasoline, you don't have protection. And so if somebody comes to your home to say that they're going to take you off to civil detention and there's radiation release, you need to shoot to the center of their body of their mass and kill them right on the spot. That doesn't matter if it's a hazmat team 
or whatever, if they don't have proper reason why they're taking to a specific place that's radiation protected, and they're going to give you a radiation suit, so you're not sucking in radiation, if there is a local nuke going off, say, outside the, the blast zone of a nuclear bomb, or you're knocked down wind of a nuclear reactor, it's a scam. Do not believe it. People need to know this, and they need to also have regular, not only lethal, but non-lethal weapons. If you don't want to kill somebody, knock them to the ground and make them a seizure. Have these technologies I'm going to pull out so that you can use non-lethal weapons and make somebody completely immobile and incapable of doing something harmful to you or anybody around you. That needs to happen. You can zip-tie them up and stick them up somewhere where they can't do harm to you or anyone else. What do you think? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I went to the uh, local farmer's cooperative, and I said, uh, Hey, you all have um, lime? Sell lime by the bag? Right. How can you get rid of bodies without lime? I mean, come on. Now, this, is basic, this is basic body technology, isn't it? Yeah. I said, hydrated lime. Y'all sell that, right? <laughs> and and <laughs> thinking. You're a funny guy. You're, you're a part pathologist, too, aren't you? <laughs> they said, uh, how, much, how much do you need? I said, just a couple bags will be fine. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and so, so they know I have a backhoe. <laughs> they know I. <laughs> they know I have um, an incinerator, which is an outdoor wood furnace with a, um, a four foot by five foot right. firebox, and, uh, and now I want lime. <laughs> yeah, the problem is, you see, day, if you're near a big city and these are things, you're not going to have a tsunami of water. You're going to have a tsunami of, of unprepared people coming to your home to get your stuff and kill you and take your stuff or even eat you. People say, "Oh no, that won't happen." I'm thinking, "No, you're a moron," and there's no cure except the Darwin effect, which is death. And the problem is, people, Doctor Deagles, you've got such a bad attitude. I've even had my wife tell me, "Bill, you can't see those things on air. I have to see those things on air. I'm the only one with at least restraint. I have less restraint than Alex Jones or anybody else out there." I got to tell you because I've actually worked on these things. I'm not just a radio broadcaster. I was shoved into this when I was the exit examiner for the Oklahoma City Murr Building, and they, when my guy that I took care of, one of the five special op team spilled the beans in a bar near Fort Carson. They hauled me into the boardroom at St. Francis Hospital and gave fired me and gave me death threats. Now, me being a son of a bitch, said, you're going to give me a check for 50000 a letter of reference, and Dr. Major Swinder, I know where you live, so you won't be putting your damn socks on in the morning unless I get the damn check and the letter. And if you harm me or my family or even think about it, I'm intuitive like that movie Predator from, Alan, from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the alien predator. And I'll know you're coming and I'll get you and nobody will be able to tie you to, to the time of your death. So, cough it up, buddy, and they did. Now, you have to understand, if you don't have bad attitude like that, like a lot of my passive doctors are into functional medicine, they're dead now, you mess with Dr. Deagle, you don't have a bad day, you die. How's that? Do you offer homework uh, suggestions on, uh, on your broadcast? Yeah, I'm going to start off with one at a time, because people get overwhelmed. I, what, the biggest problem I have, and I have lots of problems, believe me, I, I talk over my guests, I talk too fast, I get technical. People think I'm an arrogant SOB, but I'm not. I'm just talented. There's a big difference between arrogant and talented. Arrogant means I'm so full of myself, I think I have skill sets I don't have. i got skill sets that I have. And I have them for your purposes, because believe me, being smarter than most people, being more informed and being more driven than most people, makes you a real dangerous person because when somebody comes on and says something stupid or dangerous, I'm going to do an intellectual vivisection on the air and do mixed mental martial arts and stop the movement of ideas to their stupid cortex immediately. Now, my work boats and what I've learned from being what I am, which is really not good, 
in some ways, is not a good teacher. And like yourself, you're told you don't suffer stupid people. The way to help people is not to kind of beat them up because they're not as fast as you. It's to break the, the, the chore down so small that anybody could do it. So the first thing I would say, if you number one, do you want to be a prepper? Do you want to live? Second thing I'd say, do you want to shut off the power to certain places in your home and just test it overnight? Third thing is, hey, go get some five-gallon water jugs. Go online, and we have a couple supplier companies. Get some five-gallon water jugs. Eventually, I'd say get a, a, a mobile shelter, whether it's a turtle tough shelter, and we have contacts up in Oregon. Those are the best ones, I think. Um, you need to have something that's portable enough you can throw in the back of your truck or your RV or your car trunk, and you can set it up, and you can have a room for 18 to 26 people or so, and, uh, and you can deal with all kinds of crazy climate, whether it's snow, wind, dryness, heat, sun, whatever. And you can even connect these things together. I'd say step by step by step, I'd have people say that you can do it. Now, I tell people, put aside in a bank account X amount of dollars. No, we don't need it. But at the point where we have enough money and enough people to commit, and they want to have, let's say we figure out, say, a dozen sites in America or Canada that are good, we'll refer you to realtor or realtor brokers and say, look, they can buy this chunk of land. You can own it straight outright, this 100 families, and you don't have a mortgage, and then you can start doing... You know, testing. You go out there on a specific date and you set up all your shelters and you start putting up your, let's say, your church building and your water supply tower and your, you know, I'm building technology that I'm inventing like a wind turbine system where it takes a spiral turbine and it always aims toward the wind and it speeds up the wind whether it's 8 miles an hour or say it's 80 miles an hour at the bottom of the turbine. That's a good idea, isn't it? And then you convert that directly to hydrogen so you have a hydrogen tank. Because the ultimate storage is hydrogen. Now, my niece developed a technology that's now in big companies like China, Russia, and so on, where she can store, this technology stores as compressed air uh, hundreds of kilowatts of hour of, of, of power. But it's an expensive system, and it's not miniaturized to basically a group of homes or a community. The best system, I think, is solar and wind hydrogen. Solar and wind hydrogen is where it's at. You can burn in a stove, you can fuel your car, you can you can create power, and you and you don't have to have giant batteries, which you can have, which is good to have them, but that's not the best system. Welcome back. Um, so Vince, um, I, I, I get emails while we're literally while we're here, and they said, "Yeah, tell us how to survive." The first thing you have to have an attitude of, I want to survive. Most people don't ask those tough questions. They're what I call keyboard survivalists. Uh, yes. They listen to programs like this. They say, yeah, it's a good idea. Boy, Deagle, you got so much energy. Why do you want us to survive? I said, because I like society to survive. I'm in an eight-home gated community. I want all the people here to survive, but not just that. I want the people of the town of Vista and Carlsbad and San Marcos to survive. I want people of America to survive. I want people of China to survive. I don't want the population to collapse. But, see, the problem is when I hear people talk about population control, all you got to do is give people a pen that doesn't skip, a car that's, that you can pay off, a home that you can actually own. You can maybe put fruit trees in your yard. You can actually live, walk around, go to a stadium or shopping mall, and don't be blown up or shot or killed or whatever, like the thing that happened in Mandalay Bay. And people will not populate. Eventually, they'll get old enough. They'll say, you know what? I'm 80 years of age. I can, if they can live to be 120 or 150, they'll just volunteer. They've already paid off their home. They've got their 10th PhD. They've traveled around the world five times, 
and they're just volunteering to help their kids and grandkids so they can keep some wisdom in society. People don't realize you don't have to do population control, but there are crazy people out there that want to release super viruses and other things to kill. And you mentioned a show that's on Netflix. It's called Between. Tell us all about it because the people out there need to realize let's start off with real simple steps. Like I started years ago, add a backup power, get five gallon judge. Uh, you know, I tell people one of the first things I tell people to get if you've got a dehydrator is get one of those big carafes of liquid nitrogen you have in say your pantry. And when you've taken some meat, put it in these tubes and drop it in there for 20 minutes to half an hour. After you've dehydrated, just flash freeze it. It'll kill all the pathogens. So five or 10 or 20 years from now, you're not going to die from eating that stuff. It's okay. that simple. I mean, okay. go ahead. Let's take it one. Let's take it one step uh, even simpler. So most of those who are listening to us today have a dehydrator already. They they probably just don't realize that they have it. And what right. is it? It's a window screen. Okay, so you take the screen out of your window and you put it in your automobile. Okay, and you can you can dehydrate uh, fruits. You can dehydrate whatever you, you want. Just, you mean, you mean uh, just in your, in your car? Uh, just lay it on like on the seat or something, or in your car. Yeah. Well, and just you know, put it on the window. Yeah. Just, you take just a in your window. Box, you mean. So, yeah. 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 I mean, how how hot does a car get with the windows up in the sun? Pretty hot, right? So yeah, that's exactly. all I have to do. So, I mean, that's a real simple, uh, no-moving-parts dehydrator. Uh, right. Now, the, you talked about between the, the television series that you and I were talking about during the commercial break. Well, this is a uh, Netflix series, and it started in 2015, so it's relatively recent. And what happens is, mysteriously, every resident over 22 years old dies in this small town, a town called Pretty Lake. They just die. Uh, that blood comes out of their mouths and they just fall over and bang, they're dead. So it's not it's not a slow death, it's a fast death. And the the people who are left are young. They're 21 and younger. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, they, they find out from the television the government's there to help them. And what really happens is the government sets up quarantine. They don't want anybody let out because, well, heck, we don't know what this is. Why is everybody dying? And then the government says... Uh, I'll tell you what, guys, um, what you do is you take all these dead bodies and you put them in a pile and you set them on fire and you burn them because, heck, you've got to stop this disease, whatever it might be. And what they find out is then there's a fence, a fence around the little town. Then there's a minefield. Then there's another fence. So now they're really trapped in their town. They can't get out. One guy uh, decides he's going to see if he can fly his airplane to get uh, someone medical attention. Well, a rocket takes down that airplane, that little Piper Cub, or that Cherokee, as he's just uh, flying past the fence. So this is a really great series so if you, to watch. And, and the series uh, is based on the idea of a weaponized virus that kills anybody over 22. Now, that's people exactly say, correct. Dr. Deagle, they can't do that. Listen, anything that you can imagine, you know, it says in the book in the Bible, it says, now that you're in one place and of one tongue, which is basically the Internet, Nothing shall be withheld from your imagination. We have God-like principles that are based on us, which is why human beings have the destiny, a portion of us, to become immortalized and become part of the family of God, which means we're going to be both mortal and immortal beings. And by the way, Satan and the evil ones aren't. And they're angry as hell that this is their consequence. They don't live for eternity. So a portion of us will. And the problem is, in civilization right now, we're struggling with the idea of what are we as, as beings. We're soon able to control our genes. I'm doing a lecture in six weeks 
on the quantum physics of, of human aging and disease, we're no more than 5 to 20 years away from literally wiping out most disease and the whole process of aging. It won't occur anymore. The only thing is, you may look really good when you die at 475 years. We calculated, though, because the world is so dangerous, only one person in, in 10,000 will live 10,000 years, and the average person will live 475. There'll still be five-year-olds die, but most people will die traumatically or due to a super infection or a plague virus or a bullet or some other lethal or non-lethal weapon system or a bad fall, like from the side of a building. They're not going to die in the normal process, and if they die... Uh, you know, from a traumatic accident, they might look really good in their coffin, but they're 150 or 200 years. The fact is that our civilization is about to go through a transition, including artificial intelligence and literally hacking into human consciousness, so we will have direct conscious connection with, let's say, imagine if your brain could connect and download every language skill on Earth, or you could actually go to the Internet and actually search with your cortex every database on the planet. That's going to be possible in 5 to 10 years. People don't know this. They are not prepared for the, the sticker shock of what the future is going to bring. And the globalists want to make it their version of the future, which is why things like this, like the fact that the population is being prepared, prepared for even an EMP attack by North Korea, they gave the weaponization systems to North Korea and allowed Russia to do this, and allowed Nicaragua to put its missiles in. And even Trump, he's not aware that they have a ton of missiles in Venezuela right now. But we're not prepared for anything. We're not prepared for economic chaos, for military chaos, for an EMP attack. I mean, any sawed-off idiot at a university can create a low-range EMP weapon and fire it 100,000 feet into the air and create a radiation zone that will wipe out the power grid for 1,500 radio miles. You can be in the center of the continent. You can be off the coast 300 miles on a fishing ship. The Iranians have been doing tests on this for 35 years, but the population is not ready. They don't, they don't even think this is possible. They're so delusional, they don't think any of these bad things can happen, do they? Okay. So when I was at the university back in uh, the 70s, right. um, we used to hear, America, love it or leave it. Okay. Uh, I don't think that was quite right. No. I think America, love it and fix it is right. Exactly. So fix it. That's what we're doing with these radio yeah. shows. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to bring wisdom right. and break the jobs down to small steps. Like both you and I have a lot of impatience with people who don't get it. What I realize, whether I'm teaching my daughter with Down syndrome, is break it into small enough pieces that no one, no matter how low their IQ or motivation is, can get it. And if they don't get it, and see, I am my brother and sister's keeper, because if I don't let them survive, I don't survive. I don't want my neighbor coming to my house with a gun trying to get my stuff because he's dehydrated, hungry, angry as hell, and scared. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to shoot my neighbor in the face or a Delta Force special op guy with body armor on with a body piercing weapon because he's scared because his commander told him to come to my house and get me out there because he thinks I might be a prepper and I might shoot back. I'm not going to shoot back. I'm going to use all kinds of not only the lethal but non-lethal weapons to make sure they can't move my carcass unless they want to be moved. Okay, let, let me add an exclamation point to that. I have a friend who has, is a high-ranking guy in, uh, in a government position. He's the number one guy in this particular government position in a small village. Right. And he and I were at his government office, and all the um, customers, we'll call them, for the day right. had, had left. Right. He went to the front door and locked it, and uh, he came out. Uh, behind the counter and behind the back locked room there, and he said, "Hey, Vinny, I got to tell you, my relatives, my in-laws, 
they're not putting things back. And what he meant by that is they're not preparing. They're not saving for that rainy day. They're not preparing for when things get bad. They're not. There are no supplies. They're going. He said they're going out. They're, they're going out to eat. They're wasting money. And and here I am. I'm uh, putting things back. I'm preparing for bad days. He said I can't take care of. I can't take care of all of my in-laws. He doesn't want to have to shoot his in-laws or see his in-laws die, right? Yeah. That's what he said. He said, I may have to shoot my in-laws. I may have to shoot my relatives. That's what he said. Isn't that so disturbing? I said, that to me is the most gut-wrenching thing. It is. Is the idea that your fellow Americans and citizens of other countries are literally putting us that are preparing at risk of having to shoot them so that we will survive something that they haven't prepared for. Sad, isn't it? Right. It is. And I said, whoa, 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 you know, let's let's work on training them. Let's do that. Exactly. Well, in other words, we're breaking it down. First step is go to your power panel and switch off part of the power for the, for one night. Number two, next week, get some five-gallon jugs, go anywhere, you know, go to Costco or whatever. Start putting some water in your, <laughs> in, your, in your garage or in your pantry or whatever. So we'll give you more steps each week. And I'm on the show tomorrow with you, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Central Time. We'll maybe continue this dialogue, yeah. but send me an email, and I'll share it with Vince, and we'll develop a, a list of skill sets you need to start mastering. If you don't do these, just prepare to die. How's that? Sometimes life can be a pain. Your memory, your sleep, a catalyst to improve your brain chemistry. Dr. Bill's Cognition Plus is truly the smarter-in-an-hour pill. A combination of amino acids, trace minerals, and B vitamins, Cognition Plus is made with specialized herbal extracts that will enhance and support brain function. Our customers say, I feel more focused. My memory's getting better. I can work longer with more useful hours. Power up your neurotransmitters that have been depleted, like dopamine and norepinephrine. Simulate the release of others, like serotonin and oxytocin. Improve circulation and energy production. Protect your mind and your loved ones today. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Cognition Plus at 888-212-8871 or go online to NutriMedical.com. That's 888-212-8871 or NutriMedical.com. And listen to the NutriMedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. NutriMedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together.